Okay, guys, here we go with neurotransmitters. This is a brief review to supplement what you've been reading about in the text, as well as some of the PowerPoints that you've reviewed. Neurotransmitters. These are chemicals that are synthesized from dietary substrates, and they communicate information from one cell to another. And if you recall the last podcast, we said that information is communicated by fluxing ions across the membrane, which generates the impulse, which transmits along the axon to the uh, intended destination. The neurotransmitter will be released from the presynaptic neuron, which crosses the synapse, that's the synaptic cleft, and then binds to a specific finite receptor in the postsynaptic neuron. There is very specific criteria that must be met for a molecule to be classified as a neurotransmitter, and I'm going to tell you what those five criteria are. Neurotransmitters must be present in the nerve terminal. Also, stimulation of the neuron must cause a release of the neurotransmitter in a sufficient amount to cause an action to occur at the postsynaptic membrane. Also, the effects of the exogenous transmitter on the postsynaptic membrane must be similar to those caused by stimulation at the presynaptic neuron. Fourthly, a mechanism for inactivation or metabolism of the neurotransmitter must exist in the area of the synapse. And finally, exogenous drugs should alter the dose, the response curve of the neurotransmitter in a manner similar to the naturally occurring synaptic potential. Those are the five classifications uh, required the five criteria required to classify a substance as a neurotransmitter. And that is in the SADUC reading as well. Some categories of neurotransmitters include the monoamines, the amino acids, cholinergics, and peptides. Let's begin with the monoamines. Now, the monoamines, these are the biogenic amines. They are dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine, and serotonin, the most commonly familiar terms with respect to psychopharmacology uh, and in terms of common daily use. Dopamine is known as a catecholamine. This is produced in the substantia nigra and the ventral trigeminal area. The ventral tegmental area. The ventral tegmental area and the substantia nigra produce the catecholamine known as dopamine. And this is a precursor to tyrosine, which is removed from the synaptic cleft by MAO, monoamine oxidase, as uh, enzymatic function. You should know that there are four dopaminergic pathways, and these will become more important to know about when you uh, start looking at disorders of dopamine, specifically with respect to schizophrenia and Parkinson's disease. The four dopaminergic pathways are the mesocortical, mesolimbic, nigrostriatal, and tuburoinfundibular. The amount of dopamine in these various areas will later be responsible for the various disease states that we will study. Norepinephrine is another monoamine uh, neurotransmitter. This is also a catecholamine, and it's produced by the locus ceruleus and the pons. This is another precursor to tyrosine, and it's removed from the synaptic cleft and returned to storage via an active reuptake process. 
the major neurotransmitter which is implicated in mood, anxiety, and concentration disorders is norepinephrine. Now, why might that be important? Well, if you think about the norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor class and the symptoms I just uh, described, mood, anxiety, concentration, that may help you identify wherein the pathology is occurring. Epinephrine is also a catecholamine. This is produced by the adrenal gland. Epinephrine system is referred to as the adrenergic system. And finally, uh, serotonin, also known as an indole. And this is produced by the raphae nuclea in the brainstem, which is also a precursor to tryptophan. It's removed from the synaptic cleft and returned to storage via an active reuptake process. And this is the major neurotransmitter implicated in mood and anxiety disorders. It's the most common uh, medications prescribed are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Another class of uh, neurotransmitters is the amino acids. There's glutamate and GABA-aminobutyric acid, also known as GABA. There's glycine and aspartate. Glutamate is a universal excitatory neurotransmitter. It's a very important concept to know. Glutamate is a universal excitatory neurotransmitter, and this is a major neurotransmitter involved in the process known as kindling. This is implicated in seizure disorders and possibly bipolar, uh, as well as imbalances implicated in the mood disorders and schizophrenia. This theory is what drives uh, one to say that early intervention is best with respect to psychotic disorders and seizure disorders, because the theory is that once the firing occurs, a kindling effect will occur and the pathology will become much more severe. So this is the driving theory for early intervention, glutamate. Aspartate is another excitatory neurotransmitter that works alongside glutamate. GABA, which is a universal inhibitory neurotransmitter, this is the site of action of benzodiazepines, alcohol, barbiturates, and other CNS depressants. You'll also notice the commercials on television with respect to insomnia telling you about the excitatory and the inhibitory neurotransmitters and the confounding between the two is the reason for uh, sleep uh, disorders. But GABA, very important to know, is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. Glycine is also an inhibitory neurotransmitter that works alongside GABA. So glycine and GABA work together, and aspartate and glutamate work together. The cholinergics, like acetylcholine, acetylcholine is synthesized by the basal nucleus of Binert, and the precursors are acetylcholenzyme A and choline. Acetylcholine is being implicated in the treatment of neurocognitive disorders such as dementia. You'll notice on the market now there's a medication called serifolin NAC, the same N-acetylcholine that's used for the treatment of acetaminophen toxicity. So it's important to keep those in mind as well. Another class of neurotransmitters is the neuropeptides. These are the non-opioid types, such as substance P, which is also implicated in pain, which is why sometimes SSRIs uh, may work to augment the perception of pain. It's also the reason we may have somatization of pain as a symptom or an atypical presentation of mood disorders and anxiety disorders. And the other um, non-opioid type is somatostatin. Uh, the opioid types are the endorphins and caffelins and the dynorphins, the endorphins, of course, being the most popularly known. These neuropeptides, neurotransmitters, they modulate pain, 
and decreased amounts of neuropeptides is thought to cause substance abuse. That is to say, the person does not intrinsically secrete an adequate amount of their own neuropeptide, so they go back to supplement it. This is the biological drive towards addiction. I'm going to say a little bit now about uh, some psychiatric disorders uh, and where the suspected imbalance is and what the presentation will be with respect to the different neurotransmitters. So, for example, in acetylcholine, the suspected imbalance is that there is a decrease in acetylcholine, which is implicated in conditions such as mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. However, there's a suspected increase in conditions uh, with uh, Parkinson's uh, symptoms. With respect to dopamine, there is a suspected increase in dopamine which is implicated in the schizophrenic and psychosis disorders, but there is a suspected imbalance with respect to a low level, a decrease in dopamine, which is implicated in things such as substance abuse, the anhedonic features, and Parkinson's. So if you think about the drug on the market for Parkinson's right now, it's cinnamon, which is dopaminergic, which is thought to increase the dopamine in the brain. There is also the reason for the fear of using cinnamon sometimes, uh, which may, uh, some people think it will uh, increase psychosis when you put somebody on cinnamon. It's for that reason. Interestingly enough, the use of dopaminergic agents such as cinnamon are also gaining off-label uh, indication, off-label uses uh, for things like arousal disorders. So, if you give someone, say, the cinnamon, this is not approved, but this is where the theoretical knowledge allows people to apply these um, concepts for stimulating arousal with, uh, say, um, cinnamon. Norepinephrine: a decrease of norepinephrine is thought to be implicated in conditions such as depression, uh, and an increase of norepinephrine is thought to be implicated in conditions such as anxiety. Serotonin, uh, decreased across the board, implicated in conditions such as depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety disorders, and schizophrenia. So we have a decrease in serotonin. So do we give serotonin? No, but we give the serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which allows your own serotonin to be readily available and hopefully correct that imbalance. We inhibit the uptake. GABA, a decrease in GABA is no thought to be implicated in anxiety disorders and now sometimes also perhaps implicated in sleep disorders. Glutamate, an increase in glutamate is thought to be implicated in bipolar affective disorders and psychosis from ischemic neurotoxicity uh, due to excessive pruning. And the concept of pruning will be covered further in another one of your classes, but uh, one may also speculate that do they get this bipolar disorder or this excitability and neurotoxicity from ischemic uh, changes as well. So think stroke, CVA, vascular dementias, etc. They may become grossly disinhibited. A decrease in glutamate may also be implicated in memory and learning difficulties or the negative symptoms of schizophrenia as well. The opioid neuropeptides, uh, the imbalance is suspected to be a decrease in these peptides and is the primary driver in the theory of substance abuse. I want to say something now about recovery and degradation of the neurotransmitters. After the neurotransmitter reaches the postsynaptic neuron, 
It may then diffuse off its receptor to be destroyed by an enzyme or to be transported back to the presynaptic neuron for reuse. Enzymatic destruction occurs either in the cytosol or in the synapse. The neurotransmitter can be destroyed by the enzymes monoamine oxidase in the cytosol or the catechol-O-methyltransferase, COMT, catechol-O-methyltransferase, C-O-M-T. You will see this when you look up the psychopharmacologic uh, pathway of medications. Um, C-O-M-T, COMT, intracellularly or in the synapse. This is where enzymatic destruction occurs. Reuptake pumps can, can remove neurotransmitters from acting in the synapse as well. The neurotransmitter will be reloaded into the presynaptic neuron and then will be recycled. So you have recovery and degradation, the three processes. Now, what are some functions of these neurotransmitters? Dopamine. Dopamine's general function is implicated in thinking, decision-making, reward-seeking behavior, fine muscle action, and integrated cognition. So think about the two big drugs that are implicated in dopamine agonism. You have um, bupropion, well, butrin, and you have cinnamon. Those two drugs are big drivers of dopamine. If you have a mild deficit in dopamine, you may notice poor impulse control, uh, poor... Um, spatiality, in other words, you may be a little clumsy, and a lack of abstractive thought. If you have a severe decrease in dopamine, you'll notice things like Parkinsonism, uh, some endocrine alterations, and movement disorders. If you have a mild increase in dopamine, you may notice some benefit, improved creativity, improved ability for abstract thinking, improved executive functioning, improved spatiality. This is where the drug company got into trouble when they marketed Wellbutrin essentially as a cosmetic psychiatric drug. They used to call it the happy horny skinny pill, which is they got a big fine for that. But what they were doing is having improved general sense of well-being. They were quitting smoking, they were losing weight, they were being creative, sex drive was improved. So um, something to keep in mind, they stimulated dopamine. A problem, though, with, ex with severe uh, increased amounts of dopamine is disorganized thinking, looseness of association. Think of a psychotic person worsening uh, tick disorders and stereotypic behaviors. With norepinephrine, you have alpha-1 and alpha-2. The general function is responsible for alertness, focused attention, orientation. This primes the fight-or-flight pump, and it's also implicated in learning and memory. A little bit of anxiety is helpful for retention. You'll take in a lot of information when you're slightly on edge. If you find this very boring, you'll likely absorb nothing and fall asleep at the sound of my voice. If you um, are deficient in norepinephrine, you'll find that you are dull, low, low energy, have a depressive affect. And conversely, if you have excess norepinephrine, you may be anxious, hyper-alert, such as in PTSD, uh, increased startle, also implicated in PTSD, paranoia, and decreased appetite, because when you're scared out of your mind, you don't necessarily feel like sitting down to a meal. Also, likewise, you may notice that a patient will complain of some nausea with norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors for the same reason. You are putting food in a system um, where the system is being primed to not eat. The symptom goes away over time, though, as you may know. 
another neurotransmitter, serotonin. This is sometimes written up as the 5-HTs, 5-HTs, and you'll see 1A, 1D, 2, 2A, 3, 4, etc. Uh, these are generally uh, implicated in the function of the regulation of sleep, pain perception, various mood states, temperature, regulation of aggression, libido, and also a precursor for melatonin, which is why sometimes a major symptom associated with depression is the poor sleep. The melatonin cycle gets dysregulated. If you are deficient in this neurotransmitter serotonin, you may notice increased, and here are the symptoms of major depressive disorder, irritability, hostility, depression, sleep, dysregulation, loss of appetite, loss of libido. Uh, there you have the criteria to meet depressive disorder. If you have too much serotonin, such as in a serotonin syndrome, you may notice sedation, uh, restlessness, agitation, myoclonus, blood pressure and pulse temperature abnormalities, usually going up, up, up. Also, hallucinations, which are rare. Now, just because you have these symptoms, it does not mean you have the condition. Remember, psychiatry is not plagued by biomarkers. It's symptoms that lead to syndromes. Syndromes are how we just classify them. Acetylcholine, another neurotransmitter. This is a nicotinic and muscarinic receptor. Uh, it's implicated in things such as attention, memory, thirst, mood regulation, REM sleep, and sexual behavior, as well as muscle tone. So if you are deficient in acetylcholine, you may notice, such as in my frontodemporal dementia patients, there's a lack of inhibition, decreased memory, euphoria, antisocial action, speech is decreased, impoverished speech, dry mouth, blurred vision, uh, and constipation. If you have too much acetylcholine, you may be overly inhibited, anxious, depressed, somatic complaints, lots of somatic complaints, self-conscious, drooling, and also extrapyramidal side effects. GABA, the neurotransmitter GABA-A and GABA-B, uh, general function is to reduce arousal, reduce aggression, reduce anxiety, and reduce excitation. Excitation, excuse me. Uh, if you are deficient in GABA, you may notice irritability, hostility, tension and worry, anxiety, and seizure activity. If you have too much GABA, you will have reduced cellular excitability, sedation, and impaired memory. Now, if you notice the symptoms I'm reading to you, I'll do glutamate as well, uh, you will notice that the symptomatology can be traced back to the neurotransmitter responsible for it, so that when you decide to augment a treatment strategy, you can then pick more selectively which drug to utilize to uh, ameliorate the symptom. Glutamate. Um, the receptor is AMPA and MNDA, glutamate, and this is implicated in memory and sustained automatic functions. If you are deficient in glutamate, you will notice a poor memory, low energy, and distractibility. If you have too much glutamate, this is implicated in things such as kindling, seizure disorder, anxiety, and panic attacks. And finally, the peptide neurotransmitters of the opioid type. You have mu, kappa, epsilon, delta, and sigma, and these are usually implicated by Greek letters. Uh, these are thought to modulate emotions and the reward center of the brain. They help consolidate memory. Uh, they modulate reactions to stress. So if you have a deficiency of the peptide opioid types of the neurotransmitter, you may find that you're hypersensitive to pain and stress. There's a decreased pleasure sensation, and you'll be somewhat dysphoric.
So that's why when someone comes in on a methadone program, there is some mood stabilizing effect from the methadone. Now, we don't use that for mood stabilization, but we take that into account when we prescribe other psychopharmacologic agents. And if you have too much of the opioid receptor, you may become insensate to pain, uh, somewhat catatonic-like in the movements. Uh, you may have auditory hallucinations and have impaired memory. So that is an overall summary of the uh, neurotransmitters. And as you review the symptomatology, you can become cognizant of where uh, the neurotransmitter that's being implicated and what might be occurring. Uh, a good practice strategy for studying is to try and explain the neurotransmitters uh, and medications to your patients in a way that they can connect to their symptoms. I hope you found this helpful. It's a bit long, but there won't be many more.